Welcome to the Note to Sell podcast. I'm your host, Trevor McDonald. And here on the Note to Sell podcast, I discuss things that I'm learning, reading, listening to, and discussing with others and how it is helping me grow to become a better human in this world. And in turn, hopefully encouraging you to grow as well. This is episode number 42. Let's get into it. Okay, we are here. Episode 42. Now, today I'm recording in our store, in our shop, and there seems to be some construction or some working going on uh, in the space above us. So if you hear like hammering, uh, that's what that is. I'm also on like one of the busiest streets. Our, our shop is on one of the busiest streets here in our hometown. So if you hear, I don't know, cars honking or ambulances going by guys welcome to today's recording now i want to talk to you about a car that amy and i once owned okay now i don't want to bore you too much of the story you're gonna have to fully pay attention it's gonna mean a whole a whole bunch for this episode it was a 1997 black infinity i30 now, let me take you all the way back to the Genesis. This was my dad's car when I was a kid, and it it had like a, quote, luxury feel to it, okay? It had a Bose sound system. I mean, it had some pickup. Like, this thing was pretty nice. Leather interior, you name it. Now, when I got my license, I was able to take this car out. You know, it was like high school dances, I would take my date out, or if I was going out with some friends, I would ask if I could drive this car. Why? Both speakers, fast off the starting line, because this is the era also of like when Fast and the Furious came out, so I thought that's got to be cool to have a little pickup. Um, again, it was an Infinity 1997 Infinity i30. It, it wasn't like it was some kind of sports car, but needless to say, that's kind of a car I drove here and there, but and eventually got handed down to my sister. My sister moved to Chicago years and years and years ago and had the car out there. Well, my wife and I, we lived in a different city for a while. Then we came back. We first got married. Uh, we're like in our second year of marriage. Broke, need some money, need another car. I had one. She needed one. And we were told, hey, the car, the 1997 Black Infinity i30, it's available. Just have it. It's it's at your grandparents' house go out there and pick up the car and then just pay for the insurance okay easy i was like oh man this is, this is a gift this is a gift from the heavens we got a brand new well used car we don't have to pay for saving some money and it's going to be amy's well we pull up and we take a look at this thing let me just tell you this 1997 black infinity i30 has seen it has seen its days let's just say that it had more paint colors on it from door dings and minor accidents that you can even count. It wasn't just a black infinity. It was like a multicolor infinity. The muffler dragged on the ground when you drove, and it literally created sparks on the road. That eventually, yes, of course, I duct taped and wired up, and it still made a horrific noise when you drove it. The heater didn't work. Uh, one of the windows didn't roll all the way up. And Amy had to drive it. I already had a car, okay? Is that the right move when you're early in your marriage? Probably not. I should have taken the car. She should have taken the other car. They're both beaters, but 
you know, when you're early on and you're in your really early twenties, you, you just make do, you make it work. Needless to say the car, it, it did work, right? Like it, it transported you from A to B and maybe risking your life the whole time, but still this car worked. It's just seen a few rough years. Now, why am I telling you this quick, short story about this 1997 black infinity I 30 that once had some, it was some prestigious allure to it. This thing was nice. It's now not so nice. I was talking to a friend the other day about a work experience, a job difficulty that they are facing and, and kind of out of the blue, I just started telling her about this car. And like that beat up car, she found herself kind of battered and mistreated and just barely holding on. It made her realize the parallel to just blindly enduring awful leadership akin to driving a damaged vehicle. The story became a a crucial conversation, urging her to recognize the toll that it was taking on her well-being. My my friend shared more of this difficult experience of spending a year in just poor health and frequently falling ill and experiencing just persistent physical pain in her back. Like it wasn't a good year that she experienced. And it's almost like it took a conversation like this to begin to realize like, oh, I'm not doing well. It, it brought me actually to the remembrance of this concept that Dr. Bessel Van Vander Kolk writes in The Body Keeps a Score. He talks a lot about trauma and how we kind of keep it in our bodies and in our our bodies kind of re- react to those certain things, but also talks about that our emotional suffering doesn't only manifest in our minds, it, it manifests in our bodies as well. This just underscores the importance of paying attention to our bodies as a source of valuable information and taking action when needed. We talked about the challenges that, challenges that she was having, and I just simply asked the question, do you want to endure that again for another year? Shoot, even another month. You know, in my own experience, I've, I feel like there's been times that I've been feeling pain in certain areas of my body or sick for far too long. And it just kind of brings to light, like, oh, maybe... I'm stressed. Maybe I'm carrying it in my neck or my back or I can't get rid of this certain uh, illness, this cough or cold or flu, whatever it may be. And yes, germs fly around the world. I get it. But also it, it begins to shine a little more of a obvious light on maybe I'm just overworked or stressed out. In my friend's situation, just incredibly mistreated. And I get it. While some jobs may inherently be challenging, enduring mistreatment shouldn't be part of the package ever. It's understandable if financial responsibilities necessitate staying in a job. But if unhappiness unhappiness is a result of mistreatment, it, it may be time to consider moving on. She then began to tell me a story, just one of, of a few, where she was essentially just completely thrown under the bus. It was something that she was responsible for with this teardown of this particular event and something happened where she 
was yelled at, reamed out by others. And then when she thought maybe her leader would come alongside her and support what happened and maybe even take a little bit of the responsibility upon her, that's what leaders are supposed to do, right? Instead, her leader was nowhere to be found and just deflected and then made sure she knew that she was to blame for this and that you got to get better. And this was an irresponsible decision, an irresponsible act. It, it honestly reminded me of this quote by Simon Sinek. He just simply says, good leaders share the credit when things go well and take responsibility when things go badly. In this conversation, we dug deeper into the challenges of compromising personal values while working under poor leadership. It's crucial to address the misuse of power that manipulates individuals into enduring difficult seasons by framing them as opportunities for growth, or maybe this is just a season to experience humility. No, if mistreatment from a boss or a leader is negatively impacting your mental or even physical health, or both, it's essential to recognize that. And staying in such a situation is not a sustainable choice. Now, allow me just to offer a few thoughts on that. For me, when I hear stories like that, I, I, I grieve at those stories. Because I personally experienced too many of these situations firsthand, let alone heard them time and time again from others. I've experienced the mis- mistreatment and abuse, and the negative impact of poor leadership, insecure leadership, powering over type leadership, not those who come alongside, not those like Simon Sinek talks about that take on responsibility, but instead blame constantly. I was just talking to a friend the other day, and both of us were talking about a far separate situation and expressed our bewilderment on how leaders in positions of power can continue to act in such insensitive and narcissistic ways. I mean, both of us were just like on a whole nother situation that we both are close to. We're just like, man, I don't understand how people continue to be put in positions of authority and power and leadership and act the way that they're acting. Now, here's just some takeaways from the episode thus far. As a leader, here's three things as a leader that we would take ownership and accountability That quote by Simon Sinek emphasizes the significance of leaders taking responsibility when things go awry. When things don't go well, take responsibility. Even if it wasn't you, learn to take responsibility. This aligns with the idea that if a work environment is causing deterioration in mental or physical health, leaders should acknowledge their role in fostering a healthy workplace culture. Leaders who take responsibility They create trust and accountability. Second thing is that as leaders, you'd recognize mistreatment. The notion of sharing credit when things go well implies an inclusive and collaborative leadership approach. Applying this to the context of mistreatment, it suggests that leaders should recognize and address instances where employees are subjected to abuse or mistreatment. Acknowledging these issues is crucial for creating a workplace where individuals feel valued and respected, and honored, and seen. Number three, as a leader, promote a healthy work culture. Now, this might sound repetitive, but leaders are responsible for fostering, for creating a healthy work culture. 
leaders are responsible. Leaders who share credit and take responsibility, they contribute to an environment where individuals can thrive, promoting overall well-being and minimizing the negative impact on mental and physical health. So be that kind of leader. Takes ownership and accountability. You can recognize when someone's being mistreated in your workplace and you promote and live out a healthy work culture. Now, if you find yourself relating to my friend or if you've been in spaces like this in the past, allow me to offer one last piece of advice from this quote by Marcus Aurelius. He says, the best revenge is not to be like your enemy. The best revenge is to not be like them. What's this mean? Two things. Maintain personal integrity. This quote from Marcus Aurelius emphasizes the importance of maintaining personal integrity and moral character, even in challenging situations. In the context of discussing mistreatment in the workplace, the takeaway is to resist the temptation to respond unkindly when faced with poor leadership or mistreatment. Instead, you focus on upholding one's values and not mirroring negative behavior. I've seen too many people, good people, get in work cultures, work environments, where the toxicity spreads on them. And now they begin to have negative behaviors, bad leadership practices. And you know what that does? It spreads. I've seen it. I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over and over again. It spreads from one person to another to another. You got to be able to recognize it's not okay. Maintain personal integrity. Second thing is choose a higher path. This simple quote suggests that choosing revenge or retaliation, it's not the optimal solution. In the context of the workplace, it encourages individuals to rise above mistreatment by responding with dignity, professionalism. This aligns with the idea that if faced with challenges, the best course of action is to strive for personal growth and positive change rather than succumbing to all the negativity. And friends, I'm telling you, the moment you begin to recognize this stuff, choose that higher path, but also begin to listen to how your body is responding. I just was grieving at my friend's story and stories. The fact that she's been enduring this pain for well over a year. And just saying, I have not been this sick this many times in the last year. The pain I have to feel all the time. And again, it could be random sickness. It could be, you know, because she hurt her back doing something. I don't know. But I can almost come to the full conclusion it's because you're in an environment that is just living inside of you. And it's becoming more and more obvious that you're affected by it. So maybe if you find yourself in a situation like my friend does, I would just say talk to someone that you trust and be open to the insight and understanding. We talked for probably 90 minutes and it came to a point where this this car story just came up in my head. This 1997 Infiniti I-30, the beaten and bruised car that once was a beautiful luxury vehicle that I thoroughly enjoy driving now, 
made the most obnoxious noise when you drove. It sparked from the muffler dragging. The window didn't roll down. The heater didn't work. In the dead of winter, it was it was a piece of junk. And just sharing that. And then for me, sharing kind of the metaphor of this is what happens to a lot of leaders, a lot of really, really, really good people that succumb to leaders who say, hey, you got to keep moving. You got to keep driving. You got to keep grinding. I know the season's hard, but it's supposed to be hard. You got to keep that stuff. I just simply said, no, no more. Draw the line. I tell you, you almost could feel the weights falling off and being lifted as I was talking to her. As I was talking about how leaders and employees, as they treat people like this, it's not okay. And before we know it, we're, we're beat up, we're bruised, and we feel like maybe there's no hope. Let me say this, there is hope. Any sign of mistreatment in a workplace setting like this, it's never okay. It's never okay. And sometimes talking to a trusted friend or a a mentor or a life coach or a parent, once you're able to share this stuff and they're able to shine a light on the obvious mistreatment, the obvious decision, even though it's going to take an immense amount of courage to make that type of decision, I get it. I've been there. It's going to bring so much freedom. And I believe there is hope. I really do. I believe all of us have the ability to unearth that courage that it takes to take the best next step. I hope this episode has encouraged you and even breathed new life into you as well. For me, this story served just as a reminder. This phone call just served as a reminder of how important and valuable good leadership is. So lastly... Go be one. If you're a leader, go be a good leader. Thanks for listening. Hey, I appreciate your time spent here on the Note to Self podcast. If you found value in today's episode, I invite you to subscribe, offer your thoughts with a review, and share this content with someone that you care about. Feel free to reach out via email at note2selfpod at gmail.com. Until next time, continue your journey of personal growth and self-discovery and let us unlock our fullest potential. Mm-hmm.